Uh, the theme of today's sermon is living life on mission, that we're blessed to, to live life for Christ and to share others or share Christ with others. See, God has blessed us in many ways, but when it comes to sharing Christ with our friends or people around us, most of us don't think that of, as a blessing. If, matter of fact, a lot of us might think of it as like a, not a curse or even like a, a, a hardship in our lives to share Christ with others. So today I want to show you guys that it's truly a blessing, and we're going to look at four different uncommon evangelists in the Bible, and hopefully that will encourage you to go or be inspired to share Christ with others. So let's pray. Dear guys, thank you today. Thank you for just the message you put on my heart. Uh, just give us the ears to hear and the hearts to learn today. And pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So you are blessed by God to share Christ with those who don't know him. We usually call this evangelism. And when we hear the word evangelism, there's a lot of emotions that happen. The first emotion that I usually get sometimes is guilt. I should be doing more. I, haven't, I, I need to share more. You might be having that kind of guilt. Another kind of emotion is fear. What do I say <laughs> to the people? Am I going to say it wrong? Am I going to anger people? Am I going to be offensive? Am I, are they going to attack me? The what ifs of what happens if we share uh, the gospel. And yet, God blesses us to share Christ. It's part of who we are as Christ followers, to go out and make disciples. And you might be feeling a bit insecure at this point, or maybe those emotions are stirring up in you, but I just want to promise you that we're going to be looking at four people that probably felt the same way, um, but they were blessed in the sense to share Christ. I remember when I was sixth, seventh grade, uh, we did this thing called Dare to Share. It's this conference where we go, we learn how to share the gospel to our friends, and then at one point they're like, okay, now you can go out door to door, collect canned goods, and then, and then just ask them, hey, can I share with what I'm learning this weekend? And, you know, it's very scary as a sixth grader. Imagine sitting up here and sh- sharing, like, what we did on the mission trip. But going door to door is scary. And that's where my bracelet comes from is the gospel message on my bracelet to help me remember um, the words to say, in a sense, for me. Um, but I remember this one time it came up to the door, and I— and I was in downtown Columbus because I grew up in Columbus. So downtown Columbus is very rough in certain areas, and we were in one of the rougher areas. They assigned us that one. So I guess, okay. So we go up to the door, and on the right side of the door, there, there was a broken door with a, just a piece of plywood instead of a door, and then their front door. And I was like, I don't really know what happened to that door, but downtown Columbus, so I guess that makes sense. So knock on the front door. Me and my friend, like, getting ready to, to, to share the gospel message because we've done it f- with all the other houses. And all of a sudden, we hear a massive dog barking. We're like, okay, this is, it's okay. The door's closed. The owner will come out and hold the dog. That's fine. And all of a sudden, the owner never showed up. The dog kept on barking. And we looked to our right, and the plywood actually started bowing out towards us because the dog was jumping. We're like, okay, that's probably why the door broke. So we're going to keep on going. <laughs> but in the reality, you might have that kind of fear in a sense, like, that's going to happen every time I share the gospel. Something bad, some crazy dog's going to come attack me. And that's not the case. Um, it's just a fun story that I can remember when I was first, one of the first few times I was sharing the gospel, the, the dog attacking. But God kept us safe, kept that plywood strong. <laughs> but you might be feeling insecure. And today we're going to look at four uncommon, unlikely evangelists so that we hopefully will be inspired that God used them 
to share Christ, and hopefully God can use us to share Christ. So the first person we're going to look at is the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. You can open your Bible to that. Um, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of these just so we're not spending all morning because you all need to eat lunch. I need to eat lunch too. Um, I'm a big man. Uh, if you want, we're going to be going to China Buffet after this if you want to come hang out with us before we leave for sabbatical. You're more than welcome to join us. Anyways, so the Samaritan woman, John chapter 4. Um, why is the Samaritan woman unlikely? Well, she had three strikes against her. Um, back then in, in, in the Jewish culture, there was a very common prayer that they prayed. They would say, Dear God in heaven, thank you that I'm not born a woman, a Samaritan, or a dog. <laughs> and by dog, it's more like a sinful type person who lived in sin, a Gentile, basically. Um, and this, this woman had all three strikes against her. So it made sense that people would look at her like, why is she an evangelist in the, the Bible time? She was a Samaritan who was completely despised by the Jews because they're half Jew, half Assyrian. She was a woman. Women were not looked highly upon. They were sort of looked down upon in the Jewish culture. And then lastly, she was immoral. We read in that chapter that she had had lots of husbands in the past, and right now she was living with a guy, having sex with a guy who wasn't even her husband. This alone basically disqualified her in basically everyone's mind of being someone that would share Christ. We read in her story um, that one day she went to the well to draw water, and as she was there, she met a Jew named Jesus who suddenly started talking to her. And she's like, whoa, what's going on? (laughs) Why would you talk to someone like me? And Jesus said, would you draw some water for me? And then again, she's like, I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Do you know who I am? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Jesus says, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for some of my water, and I'd give you this living water, and when you taste the living water, you will never be thirsty again. This message intrigued her to know, one, this Jew is being kind to me, speaking to me, talking with me. That's the one thing, but this living water, what does he mean? What is he talking about? So they have more conversations. But Jesus says, go get your husband. The woman's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're sleeping with right now is not your husband. That message to her was inspiring. Like, whoa, you know my past. You know my history. You know, you know me on a deep level. And then she had to think about and had a conversation like, are you a prophet? And then she remembered that there was a message saying that there was a coming Messiah coming soon to, to, to be their Savior. And she asked, are you that Messiah? And Jesus says, yeah, you're talking to him right now. And all of a sudden... This just amazed her, and, and we see in verses 28 and 29 what she did. So the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. You see, all she said was, come and see. Come and see this man who knows my past. Come and see Jesus Christ. There's something special. And if you read on in the scriptures, you'll see that many of the Samaritans believed because of her story, her testimony. In John four thirty-nine through 42, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. All the woman did was say, Come and see. Do you realize that we could do that all the time? (laughs) 
Come to church. Come to BLT. Come to this Bible study. Come and just see who God is. Come and see this fellowship of believers that are coming together and just worshiping him. Come and see. They say they've done a study that four out of five people who are invited to come to church by a close and trusted friend will come. So the odds are in your favor. <laughs> the Samaritan teaches us that sometimes all we have to do is invite someone to come and see, and the message, the, based on the power of God, the Holy Spirit, will impact them and change their hearts. It's not some magic words I'm saying. It's not some magic words that we say. It's God working in their life, and all we have to really do is invite them to come and see. The second person we're going to talk about today is the blind man. The blind man was born blind. Imagine that, never being able to see anything. And then one day he meets a guy named Jesus. There's a common theme in all this stuff. (laughs) He comes and meets a guy named Jesus. And Jesus comes along, takes some dirt, spits in it, makes it into mud, and puts it on the guy's eyes. That's pretty humiliating for a blind man to have all of a sudden mud put on your eyes. Then he says, go and wash in this pool. And when the guy does it, he opens his eyes, and for the first time ever, he's able to see. If you were in that, your, that sh- those shoes, you'd probably be super excited as well <laughs> that you were once blind, and now you can see. He told all the people around him. He was proclaiming it. And it got to a point where the Pharisees were hearing it, and they had an argument. They had to say, nah, this is not real. It didn't really happen. It's fake. Jesus is like a false prophet. He couldn't have done that. He's a sinner. It came to a point where they invited him and his parents to say, is he, was he truly born blind? And, to com- and try to get him to be convinced that Jesus was a sinner. The guy simply told his story. In John nine twenty five. it says, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I can see. He simply told his story that he was blind, and now he can see. Later in the chapter, Jesus comes, comes to him and shares more about who he is as the Messiah and as the Savior. And it says that the blind man started worshiping Jesus at that point. And I'm sure after that day, he went around saying, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, gave me sight. And he can, he can impact you as well. In the end, the blind man simply told the story. I was blind, and now I can see. And it impacted a lot of people. You too can tell your story. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, I don't really have a good story. <laughs> I, was, I don't have one of those cool stories where, where God took me out of addictions and brought me out of that. I don't have a cool story with maybe I was about to commit suicide and God brought me out of that. I don't have a cool story about just being deep in sin and Jesus taking me out of that. I thought the same way too. Until one day I was at VBS and there was a kid, sort of looked upset. He was off by himself. I came up to him, just talked to him, said, hey, how can I pray for you? And he shared a little bit about how he's being picked on, bullied at school, and how it's just really affected him. And I got to share my story about when I went through being bullied at school and how God rescued me from that. Saying, you know, I had anger, I had unforgiveness, but because, Je- because of Jesus, I learned that one, I'm supposed to pray for my enemies that persecute me. I'm supposed to love everybody. And I'm not supposed to hold on to hatred, but to forgive. <laughs> and, and how powerful it was for me. And just had a few more conversations with him. But eventually he, he decided to follow Christ. See, I thought my story was sort of boring because I grew up in a Christian home. Nothing crazy happened to my family. Um, I'm from, a, my grandparents were missionaries. My other grandparents were past, a pastor. So it was just like, nothing crazy. But to that kid, 
at VBS, that story meant a lot to him. So your story will be, is special. Your story could mean something amazing for somebody, but you'll never know unless you share it. If I just saw the kid and just walked away, I would never have known that I have a powerful story for certain people. Your story counts, and your story matters. So God has blessed us to share Christ. One, to come and see, inviting people just to come and see Christ. Two, just simply telling your story. The third person is probably one of my favorite people to talk about is Dorcas. With that name, it makes sense that she's an uncommon evangelist. I mean, I don't know how common Dorcas was back then, but around here, probably not many people are named Dorcas. And I'll tell you, that's not, our, that's not going to be our daughter's name. <laughs> so, but we read her story in Acts 9.36. It says, In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which, when translated, is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. You see, she had a burden for people in their area. God blessed her with a burden for the widows in that area. In those days, the law stated that when a man died, his possessions would go to his son. And a lot of times there were deadbeat sons who basically wasted all that inheritance on parties and buying rich things. Sort of like the prodigal son story. That happened all the time around then. And all the money would go to the son, and the widow would be left high and dry with nothing. Or maybe he doesn't have a son. The man that died didn't have a son. You would think at this point, then the widow would get the property and the money. But actually, in the law, it said that the property went to the, the man, the, another man in the family, and the widow would be left high and dry. So Dorcas saw all these women who were basically left with nothing and decided to help. She prayed with them. She got involved in their lives. She made clothes for them. She raised money for them. She gave them food. She loved them so much, she poured her life in them that she earned the right to be heard, and they loved her because she was involved in their lives. Eventually, I mean, she passes away, and they bring Peter in, showing Peter, like, Peter, look at all these clothes she made me. Like, she, she helped us out. Can you please do something? And Peter was able to bring her back to life and, and really showed Christ in that area. And, and a lot of people believe because of the, the miracle of bringing back to life, but also just because of who Dorcas was in their life and how amazing she did. So people need to know that you really care and that you really mean it. And Dorcas showed that by giving her life away. See, we have a lot of different ministries in this church, a lot of different activities. You can read them up there. I'm not going to list them all, but these were basically started because someone in the congregation, someone here had a burden for, for a certain group of people. And they, they said, you know, I'm going to give my life away for this aspect, for this ministry. You might be thinking, maybe I can jump into one of these things and maybe help out in a way because I have the same kind of burden. Or you might be thinking, what is, your, what is my Dorcas ministry? Laundry Love uh, kind of got started, I guess, around 2005. Our group had been meeting for probably six, seven months, and this Laundry Love idea came up, and I said, well, I'm just going to throw it out to our group and see what they think. We kind of talked about this a little bit, and he kind of mentioned some things about this thing called Laundry Love, and I'd never heard of it before. And, you know, he kind of explained to us what it was all about, you know, going out. We were going to try and find a laundromat that would allow us to come and do laundry for people. We said, hey, let's just, let's just run with it. You know, this is a great idea. It's a great way to uh, love on our community. 
to give some of the blessing that we've received, give that back to the community as well. Basically, the uh, last Saturday of the month, we show up here. It's mainly our small group, our little community group, and uh, we bring a jar full of quarters. Uh, anywhere we may spend 50 to $75, and we just kind of go through and just pay for laundry for people. No questions asked, you know, no requirement. Show up, and uh, we're going to pay for your laundry. My favorite part is watching the faces on people when you ask them if you can do their laundry, and they look at you like, are you nuts? You know, why would you do my laundry? There's always a catch. Here there is no catch. It's, we're doing it because we want to do it. We're doing it because we like doing it. We actually, we, lo we love meeting the people. First night we were in here, we sat here for 30, 45 minutes before anybody showed up. And then all of a sudden a lady came in and she started bringing more and more laundry in. We said, well, we've got the money, let's just help her. Before we knew it, we had done 15, 20 loads of laundry for her. And just, just had a great time talking with her, enjoyed, you know, she was talking with all of our group. and. Towards the end of the night, as she's finally finishing her drying and, and getting things wrapped up, she said, you know, you don't know what a blessing this has been for me. She said, I came in here, and I had, I think it was 20 bucks in her wallet. She said, I've put up laundry for the whole month just because it's, it's either do laundry or feed my kids. She said, so I've been putting off laundry. Here, it's not, it's not about me. It's, it's about the people that walk in here on, on a nightly basis on a Saturday night when we, when we come and do laundry love. You know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not thinking about my world anymore, you know, what, what my problems are, you know, it's all, it's, it's, it's focused on them. You know, we may have five people in here that we help, we may have every washer and dryer full, and uh, either way, we come out of here, I just come out of here just overjoyed with just being able to help people and uh, show them some compassion and love. When it came to our, our small group situation, you know, we're actually practicing what we're either being preached or what we preach. In a lot of cases, that's, that's, that's a rarity, you know. I mean, you can do it once, you can do it twice in, in a year. We do it, you know, 12 times a year. People in our group have come to realize that we are called to share love and to go out into the world. It's not that we're going to get together in our holy huddle in our living room and, and meet every week. So it's just great that the, the people in our community group have, you know, caught that vision as well. Uh, that they want to be out reaching the people and caring for their needs, and that's kind of where Laundry Love came from. There's nothing wrong with that. I would call that a Dorcas ministry. They saw a burden, a need in the community, and they just came and said, we're going to pay for laundry. Now, I'm not saying that you need to start a laundry ministry like Love Laundry, but I'm, I'm just saying maybe you should pray and ask God, God, what is my Dorcas ministry? Do I just get involved with something that's already happening, or are you putting a burden of a need that I can jump into and do. It's getting involved in people's lives, and all of a sudden they might say something like, you know, why are you doing this? And you have an opportunity, a chance to share Christ. Give your life away like Dorcas. And the last person we're going to look at is Paul. Now you might be wondering, Paul doesn't seem like an unlikely evangelist. I mean, we talk about him all the time, about being this great missionary, this great person that shares the gospel. And I, I agree with you, but there's points like, you know, his old life when he was Saul. Um, he would arrest Christians. He sought out Christians. He'd get them stoned to death, killed. Um, he had a pretty crazy life before he became Paul. <laughs> but then Jesus met him and changed him and gave him a new mission to not just seek and destroy Christians, but to, to find people and heal them and bring them out of their sin and to give them life. But the one thing I really want to look at that's very uncommon is, is sort of Paul's model of ministry from 1 Corinthians 9, 19-22. It says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. Why did he become a slave to all people? To bring many to Christ. 
When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Why do I do this? I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. See, Paul understood that sharing Christ, going out and, 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 and finding common ground, pouring their life, talking to people about his story, was a blessing in his life. Now, someone used this verse one time, came up to me and talked to me and said, see, this is why I cuss with my friends, because if I cuss, then I am doing Paul's model ministry. And I had a conversation with them, but I, I just want to make this sort of clear. Paul didn't say that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.21, he said that he obeys Christ. Paul didn't do anything against the Bible or against God to save people. He didn't, he didn't do things that were of sin to do the, the rescue people. But he found common ground to connect with those people, to, not to put a burden on them to share Christ, not saying this is where you need to be before you can come save. He says this is what you need. This, this is salvation. Come and join Christ. Follow him and he'll change you. He'll fix you. One time I was in a coffee shop, and I was sitting there talking about playing guitar. I don't know how the conversation started, but all of a sudden a stranger came up to me, and it's like, oh, so you play guitar. And, I was, and they, we had a conversation about guitars, and um, eventually he asked me, what kind of songs do I like to play? And I said, you know, I love playing worship music, worship songs. I, said, I think I said Rin Collective, but and I think I, I added on. But um, And he, he talked to me. He had a conversation about, you know, I don't believe in God. And we had a few little bit of conversations with him about it. But eventually he was very just, he wasn't really willing to listen. He just wanted to talk guitar. And that was okay. We talked about guitar. And then he left the coffee shop. And I was like, that was sort of weird because he was a weird dude. But, um, <laughs> you know, a stranger coming to the coffee shop and talking guitar. But anyways, but sometimes it happens when you share Christ with people. Sometimes there's, there, Phil's been talking to us in our Sunday school class. There's sometimes like three responses. One, they're going to accept it. They're going to choose to follow Christ. Two, they're going to have questions. They're going to want to ask more, think more about it, and, and really think about it. And three, there's going to be people that are against the, the gospel message. In that case, he was, but that's okay because I did my job in the sense of sharing, finding the common ground and sharing with them. You know, this is who God is. I love worshiping and praising him. And um, I wish I could talk with him more about who God was, but it just didn't happen. So we need to, sometimes you just need to find a common ground with somebody and to share with them and talk with them about Christ. So in review, one, you might just be like um, the Samaritan woman, just say, hey, come and see who God is. Two, you might have to share your story like the blind man. I shouldn't say blind man anymore because now he can see. So the blind man that could now see, you might just need to share your story with someone. Three, you might need to give your life away like Dorcas and say, I want to pour my life into that person. I want to, to basically pour so much love and care into that person that they ask me, why do you do this? Or four, you might be like Paul to find a common ground with someone and say, you know what, I'm not going to put a huge burden on the Gentiles saying you need to obey these Jewish laws or go to the Jews and disrespect like traditions and such, but to come to them and say, I, I find a common ground. I want to share Christ because of this common ground we have. And now you might be thinking, well, that's good to know, Nick, but 
how do I share the gospel message? Well, you're in luck because I got a fun video that we can watch. My name is Greg Steer. I'm the founder of Dare to Share, and we train teenagers how to share their faith, how to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things I've noticed is a lot of teens and adults, for that matter, don't share their faith because they don't exactly know how. They don't know how to bring it up. How do you actually get into a spiritual conversation? Or maybe they know how to bring it up, but they don't know how to explain the gospel. So I'm going to give you a very quick crash course in how to share the gospel. So how do you bring it up? It starts with a simple strategy called ask, admire, admit. You ask questions. You get to know somebody. Jesus asked a lot of questions. Uh, We need to ask a lot of questions. We need to love people by listening to them and uh, kind of find out who they are, what they're about. And then you can take the turn towards spiritual subjects. You know, do you go to church anywhere? Do you have a spiritual background, a religion that you uh, believe? And, And as they begin to share, you find areas you can admire. For instance, maybe they're a Mormon. Say, well, you know what? I Man, I really appreciate you guys focus on the family. Or see your missionaries everywhere, hard at work. Instead of starting an argument, find areas you can admire. And then finally admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up. You needed someone to save you, and that someone is Jesus. And right there, you can tell your story of how you came to Jesus, and then you can share the gospel story. And at Dare to Share, we use a simple acrostic that I would really challenge you to memorize, all right? Because it walks you through the whole gospel story. G-O-S-P-E-L. G, God created us to be with Him. God loves us, cares about us. He made us to be in a relationship with Him. And that, oh, our sins separate us from God. Because we sin, we're separated from God. He's pure and holy and righteous, and we're not. And there's a wall between us and the holy God. And that S, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Uh, You know, you can try living a good life and going to church, uh, but it just covers up our sinfulness. It's like putting white frosting on a burnt cake. P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. That Jesus died in our place for our sins on the cross. It's almost as though if you're walking across the street and a truck's coming at you 100 miles an hour and and somebody sees you're about to get hit, you don't notice that truck, they run out, they push you out of the way and boom, the truck hits them instead. They would have died in your place. In the same way, the wrath of God was headed at us, but Jesus pushed us out of the way and he took the hit instead of us. He died in our place for our sins on the cross and he rose again. Now E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. It's not about trying, it's by trusting. It's not a matter of good deeds, it's a matter of what Jesus has done on the cross. So you trust in him, you receive everlasting life. And L, life with Jesus starts now, lasts forever. You enter into a personal, permanent relationship with God. So walk through the gospel and then two closing questions. Number one, does that make sense? Uh, If it doesn't, explain it again. If it does, move on to the next question. Then is there anything holding you back right now from putting your faith in Jesus? If there is, deal with that something. Try to help them navigate through that. If there's not, right then and there, they can put their faith and trust in Jesus. You can lead them uh, through a prayer if you'd like, saying a prayer. It doesn't save anybody, but it's a nice way to kind of put an explanation point on the gospel, telling God today, I believed in Jesus. And obviously after that, we want to get them plugged into church and growing in their faith, not because they have to to go to heaven, but because they're going to heaven. So how do you bring it up? Ask, admire, admit. Memorize the G-O-S-P-E-L, go through the gospel. Those two closing questions, does that make sense? Is there anything holding you back right now from putting your faith in Jesus? So now you got a crash course in sharing your faith. Now I challenge you, go and share the good news. 
So that's one of the reasons why I wear my gospel bracelet, if you've seen it. But it's just a great way for, if I'm having a conversation, I can easily remember. Because I don't always remember everything. I'm not good. And, you know, with Stephanie being pregnant, she's not helping me remember things. But, <laughs> but in a, <laughs> that's fine. But anyways, yeah, pray for that. That's why we're going to sabbatical. <laughs> but anyways... I, I, I have this bracelet to help me remember how, to, how the, the, the words to really share the gospel message. But if, if you want, there's cards like these in the pass-through. If you weren't quick enough to memorize it on the TV screen, if you want to memorize how do I share the gospel in a way that makes sense, um, there's cards like this in the pass-through. You can pick one up. Um, but maybe this is the first time you ever heard that message. And I want to invite you in saying, does that make sense? If it doesn't, come find me or one of the elders or someone that you trust and say, can we go through this gospel message, this message I was presented, because it doesn't really fully make sense. Or maybe you're here and it makes sense, but um, you're struggling with giving your life to Christ. What's holding you back? And if you want to talk about it, again, I'm here. There's elders here. There's people here that are wanting to love and, and share. So find someone if that's you. But if you are a Christ follower, I challenge you, this week or just today to think of one person who doesn't know Christ that you know. Think of one person that you can maybe write their name down on a piece of paper and commit to prayer. Not only praying for them to, to be receptive to the message of the gospel, but I want you to commit to praying and asking God, God, help me invite them to church. Help me have an opportunity to share your story share my story. Help, help me have an opportunity to give my life that person to pour into them like Dorcas did. And help me find common ground so that way I can have a conversation about Christ with them. See, as Christ followers, we're blessed to share the, the gospel message. We're blessed to live life on mission. So, will you take that challenge? Please pray with me. Dear God, I just thank you that uh, you've given us this blessing, just empowerment to share uh, what you've done for our, in our lives. Help us be bold. Help us to have courage. Help us to reach out, to be like these people we read about today in the Bible. Help us to see your work in the lives of people in our community. Give us the eyes to see the burdens in our community. Help us to love one another here. Help us just with boldness again. We ask that you just uh, put this challenge in our hearts to reach out, to make disciples like you've commanded us to do in Matthew 28. Lord, I pray you'd be with me as uh, we go out in sabbatical, that you just give us rest and you just help us uh, learn how to empower this youth group, how to uh, just, I don't know, do it the way that you want us to do it. We pray that you just uh, be with us today as we go out. Bless us today. And pray this in Jesus' name, amen.